The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. They should not be construed as official Department of Defense positions, policies, or decisions, unless designated by other official documentation. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or CUBIST, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, otherwise known as DivBIC. I'm your host today, Don Marion. I am a neurosurgeon in the Clinical Practice and Clinical Recommendations Group here at DivBIC. In today's episode, I'll be talking with Ms. Betsy Meyer. Ms. Meyer is a nurse practitioner and senior clinical consultant at DivBIC. Betsy and I will discuss a study entitled, Efficacy of Melatonin for Sleep Disturbance Following Traumatic Brain Injury, a randomized controlled trial. This article was recently published in BMC Medicine by Natalie Grima and colleagues. Hi, Betsy. Hi, Don. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this study? What, For example, what were the key findings? Absolutely. This study was conducted to determine the efficacy of melatonin supplementation for sleep disturbance in patients with traumatic brain injury, or TBI. The key findings were that melatonin taken over a four-week period is effective and safe in improving subjective sleep quality, some aspects of objective sleep quality, and the impact of fatigue during daily activities in patients with TBI. Betsy, are sleep problems common with TBI? It is actually very common with up to 60% of TBI patients reporting having sleep disturbances such as insomnia, sleep latency, or prolonged time to fall asleep and hypersomnia. Additionally, patients with TBI may complain about fatigue secondary to sleep disturbances. The consequences of untreated sleep disturbances in patients with TBI include ongoing cognitive dysfunction, poor rehabilitation outcomes, and low productivity in the workplace or at home. Sleep disturbances in TBI patients can also exacerbate PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as post-traumatic anxiety or depression. Betsy, why melatonin as opposed to, say, Ambien or some of the other drugs that are commonly used for sleep? That's a great question. Melatonin is naturally produced by the body and has sleep-promoting effects and contributes to the body's natural circadian sleep-wake cycle. Typically, melatonin levels begin to rise around 9 p.m. and peak during the overnight hours before falling to a very low level shortly before dawn. Melatonin production is triggered by darkness and suppressed by light, which is one of the reasons why people are told that they should always turn off their electrical devices well before bedtime. In previous studies, the authors of this study found that compared with uninjured controls, TBI patients typically do not have the normal elevation of melatonin levels at night. So they had reason to believe that melatonin supplementation in TBI patients with sleep difficulties might be beneficial. So exactly how was the study conducted? This study was a randomized, placebo-controlled, double-blind, two-period, two-treatment, crossover, phase three clinical trial. So that is one of the things that intrigued me about this study. This was a 10-week study with baseline assessments conducted during the first two weeks. All of the patients diagnosed with chronic insomnia were then randomly assigned into two different groups, and they were randomly given one group received four weeks of melatonin, and then the other group received four weeks of, of a placebo treatment. 
followed by a 48-hour washout period. And then there was a crossover to the alternate treatment for an additional four weeks. So the group that had received the four weeks of melatonin then received four weeks of a placebo and vice versa. The treatment was two milligrams per day of prolonged release melatonin supplementation. The participants were not permitted to initiate any medications during the trial, and to ensure compliance, the participants were sent daily text messages asking them to consume their medications and then to fill in a sleep diary. So, so it sounds like it was a, a pretty uh, tightly controlled and managed trial. I, I'm impressed. Um, how was sleep duration and quality uh, subjectively and objectively assessed? Sleep duration and quality were assessed using a number of subjective tools, including the Pittsburgh Sleep Quality Index, the Epworth Sleepiness Scale for daytime sleepiness, and the Fatigue Severity Scale. Objective sleep quality was measured by actigraphy, a watch-like device usually worn at the wrist to monitor motor activity to measure duration of time being asleep or awake and variations in the sleep-wake cycle. Uh, Betsy, I feel like I've heard about some of these studies uh, quite, a, quite often in the past, so would it be fair to say that the clinical trial is strengthened by the fact that they use pretty standard outcome assessment tools? Would you agree with that? Absolutely. All of those tools are well used across internationally. Um, so yes. Great. So uh, what are the limitations of the study? There was a small sample size, only 33 patients. So I think that was the first limitation. Um, the second limitation was that it was not clearly determined that all subjects actually had low melatonin levels. That is, endogenous melatonin concentrations in circadian phase were not determined in all patients. And only nine had documentation of decreased salivary melatonin. In addition, the study included patients with mild, moderate, and severe TBI, and might have been more helpful in terms of practical translation of the results if they would have focused on just mild TBI. I'm looking forward to reading the results of another study currently being conducted in Canada by Karen Barlow and her team called the Play Game Study, which is looking at melatonin use for sleep disturbances in youth with mild TBI only. So... What should providers take away from this study? What are the key uh, takeaways? There are a number of pharmacological treatments for the management of sleep disturbances following TBI, including the benzodiazepines and non-benzodiazepines, but efficacy and risks of long-term use of those medications are unknown. This study showed that melatonin can be considered as an alternative treatment to alleviate sleep disturbances that has minimal side effects. Patients should be educated on taking the melatonin supplements two hours prior to bedtime and continuing good sleep hygiene, such as reducing light exposure immediately prior to bedtime. Thank you so much, Betsy, for your insights. This is really an interesting study and, uh, and one that I think we should uh, uh, take into account when considering sleep problems in our service members. That, uh, unfortunately, is all we have time for today. We hope you enjoyed this quick literature update. You can stay up to date on future episodes of Cubist by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Dr. Deborah Balin and was hosted today by me, Don Marion. It is a product of the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, led by Division Chief Captain Scott Pine, Medical Corps, United States Navy. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. Next time, we will discuss TBI research getting attention in the mainstream press. Thank you.